Hello and welcome to another episode of the CBGS podcast brought to you by Aspen Waite. Here again with Mr. Paul Waite. It's the 1st of February and the snow is falling outside. Has fallen. Has fallen. Oh, still is falling. I can see it now. It's, uh, well, you're wrapped up. I had to drive here. Oh, I know. Strong. Good job you got four-wheel drive, Paul. I, I couldn't imagine how you got out of your village. It must have been knee-high in snow. Knee-high. Knee-high. He's a well-known Chinese businessman. <laughs> <laughs> Very short. <laughs> yeah, yes. Knee-high. Uh, he had a real passion for business. <laughs> so, other, other than the, the trouble getting here in the snow, how has how your week been? Followed by such troubles? Or... <laughs> I pardon. What is that? What troubles? Um, Sorry about um, the voice. I need to take some testosterone. Oh, is <laughs> the effect Armstrong has on me? I haven't recovered from last week's episode where he was being very naughty. Ah, yes. Yeah. So um, this week's been um, quite a nice week actually. Uh, stayed in a very nice hotel in Abergavenny, which if anyone has Abergavenny, <laughs> very 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 nice town. Uh, restored my faith in hotels a bit because. Stay, you know, try, uh, one of the things I like to do is because um, I work hard and I don't really spend much on myself is I do like to stay in a nice hotel Drew mm. and um, you do despair because uh, until, most of them are crap until, <laughs> <laughs> until this week uh, there's always something that's wrong you know uh, the room's okay. too cold or the breakfast is rubbish or something but uh, the Angel Hotel at Abergavenny was consistently brilliant from start to end so um yes that was very nice uh and i i obviously was fortunate to get my first glimpse of snow ah so uh walked, into the, walked into the car park and saw the little mountain opposite the car park and it was all covered in snow mm. so that was that was very pleasant uh on the business front um another very successful week um it was very good to see my chums uh, from um, Michael Whitehead's care home companies. His brother came uh, to have half a day's training with me yesterday. They're really taking the R&D very seriously. Uh, and Mike's uh, putting a lot of effort to, to get us new clients as well, which I greatly appreciate. So we're, uh, as always, draining in new clients. And, of course, uh, this time of year is um, the busiest month for accountants. Mm. Uh, we've got tax return deadline, which was yesterday. It's mm. February today, isn't it? Mm. February the 1st. How exciting, Drew. Mm. Did so. you get yours filed on time? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm also a very good example, actually. I think poor old Anne and Carol pull their hair out with me. So my, my tax return, I think, got filed on the 30th or something, Ooh. which is um, par for the course, to be honest with you. So, um, yes, it's been yeah, good, a, good, a, good, a good week, Drew. Uh, so um, this week, listeners, we're um, going to slightly change the format. Uh, so, uh, buoyed by our comparative success, our viewing figures have risen by 38%, but of course very good. With 38.5%. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's quite good because that means basically that uh, <laughs> two, two extra people listen. It's only my little joke, of course, we're, Drew and I are, are, are destined for stardom. Um, so, um, so this week we thought that... Um, Given uh, how much uh, the really good reaction to uh, Roger come from Renaissance last week, uh, which which delighted me, especially as it was such a long track and quite involved. So I thought, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be everyone's cup of tea, but it went down very well. So given that, um, you know, we're, we're going to focus a lot more on music, uh, today we're going to have two tracks. Two tracks. So I decided one was never enough. 
it's bad enough as it is actually because I sit there thinking oh, I wish I could play this and I could play that so we're, from now on we're going to be playing two, two tracks mm. um, so before we start on the business stuff sorry Drew I think Drew wants to say something so um, I, well, no, just um, if we can get your feedback um, of how what you what you would like um, in the podcast, how how you feel it's going. We, we think an, another song would be a great idea just to to break it up and to for that entertainment value. So let us know what you think. Um, we we also have a have a new um, uh, email which is podcast at aspenweight dot co dot uk uh, aspen hyphen weight dot co dot uk so is that for our groupies yes any any anything any feedback anything you want to say to us any shout outs you want on the podcast um um just pop us an email and we'll get back to you um okay, that's yeah. good that's mm-hmm. good so um this week I, I i said to drew that i wanted to talk about uh, brexit because uh, because uh, i feel very strongly about it mm. um i have to say that um it was wonderful but well, wonderful is the right word um, as I said in um, a, a recent podcast, that I would consider that in the UK at the moment, democracy has reached an all-time low. Parliament is failing in its duty to represent the people. Mm. Um, and, and very much adopting a we-know-best attitude, which uh, and rather smug and patronising one, may I say, which doesn't go down very well with me. Uh, so eventually, anyway, whatever one thinks of Mrs May, uh, she's a stubborn, resilient old bird that's for sure and um i think slightly to my surprise um the government actually managed to secure a majority in terms of where it's going to go and then of course uh, which is really the reason i wanted to talk about this uh we then get the inevitable eu reaction which is getting incredibly tiring tiresome uh make, that makes me quite angry actually i watched uh i watched uh, the proceedings of the eu parliament uh, of wednesday night last night which i like to do on thursdays and um you know to listen to barnier and Junkers and people like verstoffen um it actually doesn't do a lot for racial harmony to be honest with you really really um you know you sit there and you wonder why you know i probably shouldn't say this but you know why hundreds of thousands of brits lost their lives to to protect europe when uh, our fellow Europeans have such a scant regard for our sovereignty and our good name. And I have to say, whatever you think of him, uh, Nigel, Nigel Farage stands there in the EU Parliament like a bastion of yeomanry, of good old-fashioned English stubbornness and values. And no matter how much they hate him, pretty much every word he says is, is, is fantastic stuff. Uh, you know, and he's quite right to say that they they disrespect us. They are disrespecting us, um, and I also, you know, I think it's a bit sad that our closest neighbours and allies are also uh, very much in danger of doing that. Of course, what's um, hugely ironic about the current political situation is that we're probably the only country in the EU where there hasn't been really an advance to the far right, uh, and although we are the country that's leaving first. We don't have the sort of um, tensions, shall we say, uh, that are expressing themselves in France, for instance, where you're seeing the riots mm-hmm. continuously, uh, huge divisions. We, obviously, we are a divided country in terms of our views on Brexit, but uh, one of the great things about Britain is we've managed to avoid uh, a lot of the internal unrest which has affected nearly every country in the world, mm-hmm. which says something about our character, I think. Um, you've seen some of the protests and it all seems 
pretty peaceful in the UK. Uh, of, you well, know, the UK is all very you know, jolly hockey sticks, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and now, of course, you know, unless you're someone like Rachel Riley, who I just wanted to, you know, who um, who I hugely admire, who who's getting a terrible time from the Corbynistas. Um, it, you do wonder what um, how far people have to go before the police uh, act seriously to protect uh, democratic values. But I think uh, one of the things that's going to be interesting is uh, Farage actually said this uh, in Parliament on in EU Parliament on Wednesday that uh, you know we're not going to be the we're not going to be the last to leave. Mm. I think EU is a is a failed project. So mm. um, I, still though um, you know when I go across go across the land, uh, Brexit uncertainty I suppose is definitely affecting business. I'm hearing that you know in the New Forest in South Wales, mm. in the Midlands in the South. So uh, the sooner we can get this uh, behind us, because one of the things as an economist, one of the things that um, uh, is always guaranteed is uh, the markets don't like uncertainty. Uh, And one of the things that people probably fail to understand is not so much what's going to happen. It's the fear of of it and what, you know, the uncertainty of it. So uh, my personal view is probably what will happen is it will go down to the wire and there'll be some sort of fudge. But um, you know we mustn't we mustn't be afraid to uh, to keep the too high too high game going right to right to the end. So that's uh, so that's the politics bit. Um, so we're now going to play uh, the first track today, um, and this is a fantastic song by a great band called Lindisfarne, who come from Jarrow, I think. Mm-hmm. They're quite famous for playing uh, with Paul Gascoigne, "Fog on the Tines or Mine," which I think was a cover of uh, a hit they had in the early 70s. Oh, okay. Um, really good folk bands. Uh, this is a particularly uh, beautiful song, again, with sort of uh, instruments that Drew, Drew would like. So uh, just, for, just to reflect the lovely, beautiful, snowy nature, we're going to start today with Lady Eleanor by Lindisfarne. And before I play in... Lindisfarne <laughs> on on the the nature of this song um the fo- the folky the folky vibe of it it's a very special day today 1st of february uh, me and paul live near a place called glastonbury <laughs> where the druids and the witches dwell and um it's it's a very special um day in pagan festivities Today, the 1st of February, marks Imbolc or Imbolg, which is also known as Brigid's Day, and it's a Gaelic traditional festival marking the beginning of spring. It's held on the 1st of February, about half halfway between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. So, and it's historically, it was widely observed throughout Ireland, Scotland, and the Isle of Man. And I'm going to just tell, say a little bit about Imbolc, and it's um, this is a Sabbath of purification after the shut-in life of winter, through the renewing power of the sun. Beautiful. It is also a festival of light and of fertility. Once marked in we Europe, like fertility, Drew. Oh yes, once marked in Europe with huge blazes, torches, and fire in every form. Fire here represents our own illumination and inspiration, as much as light and warmth. Imbolc is also known as Feast of Torches, Oymelk, Lupercalia, Feast of Pan, Snowdrop <laughs> Festival, which is very uh, <laughs> fitting from all, outside. Feast of the Waxing <laughs> Light, Bleach's Day, and probably many other names. Yeah, it's fascinating, Armstrong. <laughs> so, this track, yes, Linda's Farm, Lady <laughs> Eleanor. <laughs> 
Belly dancing beauty with their power getting so Had my share of nightmares Didn't think there could be much more Then in walked Bart McGusher with the lady Eleanor She tied my eyes with the ribbon of a silken ghostly thread I gazed with troubled vision on an awful poster bed Where Eleanor had risen to kiss the neck below my head And bid me come along with her to the land of the dancing dead But it's all right, Lady Like a mother to a son Like living, dying, seeing, being All rolled into one And all at once I heard some music Playing in my bones The same old song I'd heard for years Reminding me of home But it's alright Lady Eleanor Beautiful. Oh, beautiful song. We hope you enjoyed that one, listeners. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna roll on to the next part of the show now, which is getting a little bit of business advice from Paul. And um, what what I would like to talk about this week is um, well, last week we spoke about um, your eighteen year business relationship with one of your clients. Oh right? yeah. Yes, and it, it got me thinking about um, your ethos with clients and and, and farewell, and farewell. Relationships. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> And um, <clears throat> and I'd like to ask you: Would you believe that your aim with most clients is to create a long-term, sustainable relationship? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 
and I suppose this could depend on the business situation, like what's what's coming on. But but mostly, uh, mostly that would be your aim. And um, what would be the benefit of this model over, like, say, high turnover of more clients? Of, um... Um, I believe the traditional uh, accountancy model is that a client is retained for something like three and a half years. Uh, for me, um, it's like a lot of things. You know, if you take you know, you take any business really. Um, it's funny, you know. Uh, as you know, I, I I work a lot increasingly with um, with care homes, and, um, and there's a good analogy here. You know, people that own care homes should want their residents to live in the care home for as long as they mm-hmm. can. Uh, the actual statistics uh, are absolutely shocking. Something like the average resident uh, going into a care home lives for about one year. Oh wow! Well, that's just shocking, isn't mm. it? So, um, while our clients don't die, uh, <laughs> so we don't follow that same. <laughs> we don't have lots of beds in Ruby's house and tuck you all up and give you porridge. I wish there was some beds in there. Sometimes. Well, so, yeah, for some of the clients, perhaps, uh, but. Uh, Yes, anyway, they were probably get into trouble, so I shouldn't, shouldn't say anything too much more about Goldilocks and porridge and honey, <laughs> honey and things like that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, sure be timbers. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, I always make it quite clear when uh, I see a new client uh, that trust, for instance, is uh, is something that I wish to, to earn, mm. and uh, it is not reasonable to expect someone to trust you straight away. Fortunately with us, I think because of the nature of a lot of the work we do, uh, we do tend to get from A to Z quicker than is normal, you know. Mm. So when I see a new client, I'm always thinking long term, never short term. Mm. But of course, you know, you do um, you do get some short term assignments. Uh, so, that's, you know, let's say, um, for instance, uh, you know, the high court stuff that I did mm. last year, you know, we get quite a big fee. But nonetheless, uh, my thinking behind that was very much actually one, if I did a really good job, people would ask me again. You know, I'd build a reputation up for being a really good expert witness. And also, um, I'm very keen to support Monica Stukova, uh, our head of corporate finance and all-round good lass, uh, and ensure that she, she gets to her place in the sun. And I think... You know, realistically, I'm I'm the person best placed to do that. So, um, I think um, you know, I, don't, I actually one of the things that's unusual about me probably is I'm very direct. So I actually talk about these things at the first meeting with people, you know, and I'll say, you know, I want to know you a very long time. Mm. I want to know you as long as I can know you. That's what I'll say. So everything that I do is geared towards the long term. And if you think about it, you know, if you, when you consider our, our, our basic ethos, which is know your client, you know, it's pretty sad to get to a point where you know your client and then the client relationship was disturbed. Mm. You know, um, I think life's interesting, isn't it? You know, I, I always say that life's, uh, I, I, I call it life is full of compensations. So obviously young Drew, for instance, 28 years old, uh, you know, he doesn't have sore knees like me. Um you know, he, he he can run around like a little March hare, uh, full of vigour. Um, but he's, you know, he's got uh, a lot of experience to learn, whereas I potter around like an old man, but um, have more wisdom. So, um, you know, I say life is, is, is sort of like that. So um, I think that while excitement and spontaneity have their place in anyone's life, I also think there's something to be said for 
things like reliability. Mm. You know, someone, you know, for instance, I've had the same hairdresser, I think, for 20 years probably, Lisa Pike. I wouldn't want anyone else to cut my hair. Uh, she She's a strong woman, tells me where to go, uh, very influential in terms of my look. So, for instance, my... my my, um, you know, my facial hair is totally <laughs> down to her saying, right, Paul, you know, Paulie, we're uh, going to drag you a bit more into the fashion world, you know, and look a bit smart. So uh, I, I find that the comfort of having, you know, if you like, your reliable retainer who you trust mm-hmm. is a good thing. So I think having a good accountant, adv- stroke advisor into the long term has, has to be uh, something any client would want. Mm. So, for instance, you know, one of the things that I would do is, um, I'd be, I would be prepared to give people some free time early on in the relationship if I thought that, um, you know, that was helping them to grow, and eventually, I, I will, you know, they will be more successful and and they will grow with me. Sort of yeah, thing. yeah, you you kind of reap the benefits more in in the long term because of the relationship you built. So, yes, better for both parties in in those in those regards, I think. Um, or there's more potential for bigger things happening and if you're both growing together well you know it's it's like you know uh, uh, I, i've got i've got a pair of trainers on today that Callum bought for me for christmas uh these are very good trainers and they last a very long time mm-hmm. so why wouldn't you want that mm-hmm. why would you buy a pair of shoes that will wear out in six months yeah you know do you, do you find that your ethos changed um from from when you started the company so did you did you go for more um try like higher turnover of clients like at, at the start or has that always been your kind of no, I, don't um, think, I, don't think, I, I think anyone who um who who ran a, a professional services company uh, with a high turnover client strategy must be an idiot personally. Ah, okay see this is my this is my half wit coming in you're being a half wit i'm just mm, mm, or know. not not experienced in business <laughs> i mean i mean you know I think if you think about probably what I would associate with that sort of behaviour, you know, in my mind, you're probably talking about um, probably a situation where you're, you're probably charging more than you should. Perhaps. Oh, okay. Perhaps. Oh. What, what, an example. But if you're in a short-term relationship with somebody, why would, what was that, what, how are you going to do that? Mm. You're only going to have a short-term relationship with somebody. You got some, if you've got something if, they really want and you can just do well, it quickly I, and I'd that's say, it. Um, if you're going to have a short-term relationship with somebody, either something happens in the relationship to make one or the other one not want to carry on the relationship, yeah. or one of them sets out in the first place not to have a long-term relationship. One of the ways of... For anyone just joining us, we're not talking about marriage and... <laughs> <laughs> well, kind right, of are in a way as well. <laughs> well, actually, if you, so actually, funny Drew should say that. I mean, one of the things... I do as I talk to um, a lot of people, you know, men and women, uh, about tax planning, for instance. And one of the things that would commonly be discussed would be uh, that perhaps husband and wife should equally own a business, mm-hmm. even though one or the other have, has no part in it. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised um, how many people um, come back and say things like, "Well, much as I, much as I love Rolls or whatever, mm-hmm. you know." Um, 70% of people get divorced or whatever the statistic is uh, now see I, I rather take the view that going back to your point you see so I think there is there is, there is actually there is no difference mm-hmm. between how you should treat a client and how you would treat a friend mm-hmm. or treat your wife uh, if 
If, on the other hand, um, the husband, for instance, and, and again, you don't have to be married, so if you say to your partner, um, I've got ten red roses, that's all I own, five of those red roses are yours. That person is going to respond well to that, aren't they? If, on the other hand, uh, such as people I know, I can't really mention, but some of you guess who they are, uh, uh, I might have ten red roses or I might have fifteen. I don't tell anybody how many I've got. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I and I basically uh, defensively guard my, my roses. Uh, then the attitude of your partner is going to be one of uh, one of not feeling trusted and whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think if you are open, open then transparent. then um, what will happen is that uh, you will, in effect, by behaving proactively, you will create a scenario of encouraging a greater long-term relationship. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yes, and the trust and all of those things that come with it, which will... You know, I would, I would tend to sit down with a client in a very honest way that people wouldn't ordinarily do. Mm. You know, and say, look, you know, I'm trying to... Have you... Hi, Ron. I, I need to go now because I'm, 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 I'm actually doing my radio show. So, hey. <laughs> uh, right, well, yeah, thanks, Ron. Good man. Thanks. So you might might notice a few little interruptions in this uh, in this week's podcast, listeners. Um, Paul, a busy man. There's opportunities coming from all o- all over the place. <laughs> so that was a uh, that was that was someone on the phone. Something about sponsorship. So we- Banksy. Banksy. Yes. Someone owns sixty Banksy pieces or something. Wow. Wow. Um, Ron Jones, our good friend from Swansea, ah. business partner, ah, okay. Helios and Titan Serve. Was basically uh, offering me the opportunity to um, to either be a, a, a small or a huge sponsor of this Banksy collection. Mm. So at the moment, I'm slightly struggling with why I'd want to do that. To mm. be honest, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Because that's the thing. I mean, in an opportunity like that, obviously, a lot of people will be there looking at, at, at these. At we these said sixty thousand people looked. At. Yes, but then how, how many of these people are going to be business owners or how, or, or well, that's, want that's the, right. the the advice from Aspen Waits? <laughs> Yeah, and as we discussed last week, obviously the other thing is you've got to look at bang for your buck. Mm. You know, mm. uh, if anything, you know, I'm already punching above my weight, and uh, mm. you know, just seems like a step too far this one. Mm. But anyway, so we get let's get back to the subject matter about long term relationships. Yes, yeah. yes. So uh, you were talking about how how they relate directly. Uh, you can you can um, you can envision a um, a relationship. In business, the same, or with a client, or with um, with business, is the same as that you would go about with a friend or with your partner. And um, well, it's like an employee. You know, why would you want to recruit an employee mm. and not want your employee to work for you for a long time? Mm. You know, I think I, I think our average uh, service is about fourteen years. Yeah. So it's the value that these kind of relationships can bring when you look at it in that way. Um, yeah, and I think there's a clear difference in attitude to, you know, in someone that is trying to, to you know, to, to work with an employee for a very long time, and a boss that doesn't care, for instance, mm, you know, and then mm. wonders why the the staff turnover is very high. Mm. And I, I I think I'd like to go as well. And um, we talked a little bit about risk in one of the recent episodes. We did, uh, yes. And um, because like when when you get involved heavily in your clients and you build these relationships. 
um, there, for me, um, I could see sometimes would there be like the the risk of too much emotional investment in those mm. in those clients, and and how you feel about that? Like, do you feel has there ever been any situations where um, where you have to kind of draw the line in that respect? Um, what, what do you mean by that like exactly? If if there, there's a risk of you making making a decision that would not be so good for your business as such, maybe if you become too much emotionally invested in a client. Um, hmm, that's interesting. Um, so, I, I, obviously, one of the, I think one of the most important things um, as a person is to be honest. So, uh, so uh, I think I would be doing a disservice to many clients if I didn't say this. On the whole, many of my clients and friends would consider on balance that I was probably overly emotional mm. I don't mm. agree with that mm. but I am accused of that quite mm. a lot um, you know I take things too personally and people say that to me you know this is only business you know you must understand, you must understand Paul it's business is business and, pers- <laughs> and I just think that's a load of bollocks personally mm. you know I always say to people uh, Paul is the same person at 8 o'clock in the morning as he is at 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night you know mm. and I think that's a much better place to be mm. so you know I think one thing that I could not be accused of is not caring. Mm. So one of the things, if you think about this logically, and, and I don't understand why people don't get this, if a person is fortunate enough to have a firm or a person, as I rather quickly put it, that goes into the trench with you and doesn't run away, mm. you know, when the, the other, when the enemy are running towards you, you'd like to think that was a rather good thing. Mm. So it probably stands to reason that if you've, been in the trench five times and you know and taken the the share of the hit with the clients that if that client then behaves in a way which you consider to be say disloyal mm. it's going to hurt you isn't it yeah. well it hurts me mm. uh and of course you know probably people that are capable of doing that probably the only way they can justify it to themselves is they're just being businesslike or something mm. so i often I, ha- I have often in the past been accused of and then overly I, emotional about yes, things. Yes, and, and I suppose in in that respect, you you want you want the respect from from who you're working with, and to make like that they won't be disloyal or um, or or treat you in a way that you would not treat them. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah that, that applies to employees as well. You know, a number of times I've had someone who you know. Um, for different reasons, you know, is important to me. Either I've emotionally invested in them or they're in quite an important position in Aspen Weight. And then, you know, they go and leave and they say things like, um, um, you know, I had to do I had to do what's best. For, uh, we had a guy that uh, we, we started working for us last year on quite a high salary. Um, and he didn't even want, he didn't even last three months. And, you know, his reason for that was... Uh, he owed it to his family, mm. you know. Now I sat there and I turned it around and I thought, well, how would he feel if after three months of working for me, I turned around and said, uh, I decided for my family I wasn't going to employ him anymore? Because mm. it's exactly the same thing, isn't it? Mm. If you think about it, so it never ceases to amaze me that I, you know, that I will show you know great loyalty to people and other people justify it to themselves they won't necessarily do the same mm. I think uh, the other thing I would say is in, in all truthfulness uh, I think there's only a, a, a small number of external businesses that you can really emotionally invest in mm. 
that's not the same thing as saying you don't give 100%. See what I mean? But, you know, there's... there's, there's if obviously, you know, I give all, all my all to Aspen Weights, and I think you can probably give your all to two or three other businesses, but any more than that, you can't. Mm. Yes, because I remember you spoke in the past of... Um, I've forgotten the name of the the, um, the business, T T J. Yeah, that yes. And um, it's uh, the danger of becoming over reliant on, say, like one client. Um, if you're getting a lot of work in, I mean, you 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 have to become very invested in. If you've got a lot of com- coming in from one client, but the the danger and the risk of that um, having an effect on your own business or well, yeah, um, so it's a butt in, but the. Yeah, this is well documented in in uh, in my books. Uh, so the the client actually where that you know that could have sunk us was the Lovell Group. Ah, okay. You know where effectively I almost stopped doing my Aspen Weight job to run mm. the Lovell Group after Mark was killed, mm. and um, you know and the thanks I got for that was effectively being terminated. Mm. Um, you know, and at one point. Uh, the, the double turnover was something like twenty six percent of Aspen Weights turnover, uh, and I was spending seventy seven percent of my time a week mm. doing that. So, so that's where I kind of saw the risk coming in. Like, uh, well, that was or, too or, much, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah a, a lesson you learn in, in in business, you know. And I mean, it's funny, you know, looking back on it, 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 I mean, I got away with it. And of course, you know, as I, as I say, my, my, my second book, which is now up to 23 chapters, by the way, mm. um, I write quite a lot about this. I, I, I've got a lot of confidence in reading, writing the first book. So the second one is um, a lot more, even more honest and whatever. And uh, while probably what I did was inherently foolish on the positive side, um, it obviously helped build up this rather odd range of experience I have, which yeah. has made me who I am. Yeah. So um, you take the positives from every situation, and 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 you see, you know, um, and you learn from it. <laughs> yeah, probably the only thing I probably would have done differently, with with the benefit of hindsight, is um, legally protected myself better. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so so your new book, you you recently mentioned um, that you wrote a chapter in your new book called "The Final Epiphany." Is that anything that you can elaborate on in the podcast, or, should, or the listeners got to wait for that one? <laughs> <laughs> well, as you as you as you've basically you know done a scoop through, <laughs> there, um, yeah, I, I I wrote the final epiphany. Uh, I finished that chapter last last weekend, actually. Uh, I think it's a really good chapter, uh, and it and it came to me uh, as an obvious thing to write about. And really, what the chapter's all about is uh, the development of me over 25 years in terms of starting Aspen Weight. What was I actually trying to do when I started? So the truth is, and I thought this was a, yeah, this was a real big hot shot uh, you know, uh, objective, was sort of to bring Ernst & Young type standards into parochial business, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then I guess, you know, for many years, what Aspen Weight became was a niche firm of accountants that was capable of playing in, in the big boy's yard, as people called it. Um, uh, able, you know, able to um, to do very high work, but, but in a niche way and, you know, below the radar. And then, of course, you know, we had the, the major epiphany moment where I, um, the light bulb moment where I was sat in my car and six or seven years ago and decided to rebrand as a, 
professional services company. And then, of course, I talk in my book about the journey, how that that decision itself becomes increasingly sophisticated over the last six years of what I did. And then, of course, just before Christmas, the final epiphany, as I call it. And I think it is the I think it is the final one because I can't see I can't see how uh, I could do anything more than what this one is. So effectively, what, uh, what, how, my, how my chapter ends is to say, when Paul is with us no more, I want people to remember me as the man who got things done. Mm. Not the man who got sets of accounts done. You see what I mean? Mm. The man who got I things done. Things. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. Mm. I'm not limiting myself to, to anything. Uh, so yes. it could be bringing humour and music to people. Mm. You see what I mean? Mm. And it's uh, that that makes me think of the complete business growth service. The range of that, how you would do that is your, your ethos with a range of different partners and, and specialist people that can help if we haven't necessarily got the um, expertise in a certain area. Yeah, I guess you know, and I have quite a lot of experience of this actually. I guess you know um, what, what one's really talking about is Aspenweight moving from. Uh, just having the complete business growth service, which in itself is a hugely wide objective, and, and almost embracing the whole of facilities management. Oh, yeah, that's probably how I would put it. You know, mm. uh, impressed him. You can see that he, he liked the word. He, he, <laughs> do 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 do. do. I'm not bit of FM. A bit of FM, man. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, we've covered quite a lot in this episode, Paul. Um, I, I, and have you got anything else you'd like to discuss before we leave the listeners with another amazing track? Um, I'm businessed out today, Drew. You're businessed out. That has been a lot of business. We've had the EU Brexit business, music, in bulk. Oh, what an episode. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I, I should do some research later. I'm, uh, um, I was fairly confident that the ancient Britons were at least as involved in paganism as the Irish and Manx and Scots were mm. uh, and um, I actually thought it was more Celtic than Gaelic to be honest mm. um, but we'll look at that later yes. um, anyway so um, before before um, Master Drew signs out today uh, just like to say again how um, how pleased I am with Mr Armstrong's development um, and uh, you know, we've got a good friend in Mark Carey. Uh, very confident that Mark's going to really uh, help both of us develop. But you know, Drew is a young man. Hopefully, that um, he can he can get to the position I am now, and 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 um, you know, and be an old man with no regrets, which I think he's got a good chance of doing. So, uh, the final track today, I thought um, uh, probably as a mix from now on, we'll play one really cool track. You know, a sort of folky track. Um, and today we've had Lady Eleanor, which uh, would probably be one of my favourite five such tracks of all time, I would say. Uh, and then, um, although this this is a band which you know is 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 is, is famous across the whole world, uh, I still think to some extent that um, you know probably quite a few of the listeners won't be totally familiar with all their music. Uh, I think probably as a lead singer. Eddie uh, Eddie Vedder is um, beyond compare, really. He, he would get very close, I think, to being the lead singer in an all-time... If you had to pick a band, you said, right, you have to pick the bass, best bass guitarist, the best lead guitarist. You'd obviously have Dave Dave on drums, I think, you know? Don't you think? <laughs> Probably. Mm. Yeah, Dave Grohl on drums. Mm. Um, but, you know, absolutely superb. I love the words 
I love the words in this as well. Uh, you know, all about butterflies and uh, probably something that um, uh, could, the lyrics would be easily misunderstood. So, uh, well, we're playing out today with Even Flow by Pearl Jam. Uh, fantastic track. I hope it uh, stimulates you to listen to lots more other tracks of theirs because they really are groovy, Drew. Oh, yeah, groovy. Super excited about this one because Pearl Jam is one of my all-time favourites from being a bit younger. And um, just want to say as well, um, an- another project that Paul's talked a little bit about his book today, and uh, me and his son Callum are going to be uh, doing a video and um, recorded audio version of the book chapters as another side project and we're really excited about getting that out to you so keep eyes and ears <laughs> open for that one and yes like Paul said this is Even Flow by Pearl Jam see you next week Oh,